Bring. Yeah, I well, and that's why I couldn't figure it out. Which makes me feel great about the hundred dollars I spent on it. Well, just you know, put it on Facebook Marketplace for fifty, hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and then then has have people like talk you down. I don't know. That's where we found this RV. Facebook oh, Marketplace. Yeah. This is our big family adventure. We were like, we're just gonna try it. We're gonna get an old ass RV. Where are you gonna go? Uh, well, well, first we're just going to go test all that. We tested everything out in our driveway, but uh, we're going to probably go to like campsites that are near, like around Indy just to go test out all the things and see, see how it works. And then, you know, wherever we'll go, we'll just choose a destination and maybe a couple stops along the way and just get out there. I will tell you as someone who has made the trip to the Grand Canyon, uh, it, 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 in an RV, that is a haul. Like that is one you got to put serious thought and consideration into the people that are going to be around you. <laughs> Cause I went with, uh, my ex-girlfriend Molly and her family and whoa, I was so happy that we had to, like, we couldn't make the trip all the way back. We just like, we went to the grand Canyon and then when we got to Colorado, her and I left to go cause she had to, she had work. So we flew back early and I had never been so fucking happy to get on spirit airlines in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I think that's the thing. Like if it was just you and her, it might've been, it might've been nice. Yeah. But it but was the RV, me, her, the RV life with a bunch, like a bunch of adults oh, packed in a tin can. Me, her, her parents and her brother and his at the time, fiance or girlfriend or whatever yeah so how do you get us. how do you get six fucking people in an rv so they had like one there was a bedroom in the back that's where her parents like slept and then uh there was a i want to say like a, a roll away thing like or no maybe it's like a pull out type couch thing like this little mini sofa thing pulled out into a bed and then uh you could take the like little table that they had the, yep, this you one could does that. Flatten that down and put the cushions on top of it, and it was a little bed space, which was the worst spot. So, like me and her and her brother and his girlfriend had to like alternate uh, the spot, those two spots, and it was it really sucked when it was me and her brother together. That was just awful. <laughs> uh, but he's he's a gentle caressing. Ah, uh, he's a yeah, soft hand. Yes, very warm, 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 soft warm, body. He's a good spooner. Yeah, but uh, we—he knows when it, he can get his fingers rigid when he needs them. We got to a point where we everybody like. I remember one night like you need to lock that door. That one? Yeah, yeah that's actually a good call. But he uh, one night like he or the next one morning he was like uh, because uh, I use my phone to go to sleep. I can't just go to sleep in darkness. I have to have something, so I would put my phone on and like put on Hulu or something. And he's like, uh, yeah, I was trying to sleep last night, Brad's fucking phone. And I was like, I had headphones in. He's like, yeah, but the boy, I was like, Oh, well, I'm sorry. I can't fucking sleep in complete silence and darkness. I think that people that do that are sociopaths. Did you guys just go do you, Well, this is getting off. I don't want to derail, but I assume you just went to, did you go to formal campsites or did you just do boondocking along? We did formal campsites. Yeah. So you would go do a hookup or whatever yep. for a night and then yeah. pull out and keep going. Yep. Yep. That's cool. It was awful. You want to start the show, Corey? <laughs> well, that's, luckily I'll be with my two children and wife, so hopefully it'll be more family fun than. Well, and you, yeah, you'll be a kid. I was also the visitor in the situation. 
You yeah, know what I mean? So like, I'm not complain. part of the family. The girlfriend had been there for years. I think we, Molly and I, had been together for a year and a half. It was the end of our relationship, honestly. Like, <laughs> like looking back, like we we kind of technically broke up on the like flight back, and uh, uh, I because I remember thinking like halfway through the trip, like I want to break up, but like fuck, we still have another eight days, and that'll be super awkward. <laughs> Welcome to the sequel machine. It's like a gun, Corey. I would rather <laughs> I would rather have one and not need it I than think... to need it and not have one. Are we Fail. recording now? Yeah. We've I, been I, recording. I just roll. Yeah, this is the show. Is that why you we were so bad? The yeah, but you didn't. That's but that's the that's like the charm of it. Your honor, your honor. <laughs> that's different. Hold on, your honor. The defense would like to point out that its first uh, evidence, Exhibit A, was tampered with by the prosecution. But then the prosecution immediately gave us new evidence in saying that <laughs> he was swindled by America Online. Wait, who's the prosecution? Who's the defense I'm here? I'm not real sure. Because you would be, prosec- I would be the prosecution. You're, you're the prosecution. Your He's Honor, the, the defense. defense has done nothing but fuck with evidence. And- Why am I on trial? You've been on trial. I think Brad is say- still saying you're old, and and, uh, and we've got to decide yeah, whether or not you're old or not. You both accused me of derailing this show a lot, but if you guys would just let me get through the goddamn bit, we would be done and talking about Nicolas Cage and Willy's Wonderland. I'm gonna prove to you I'm not crazy. Was this good then? Poor schlubs like us who are dumb idiots who took one history class in high school want to know like, oh, I get this movie and we are poor and I want to become rich one day and that's satisfying to watch. Get Vic. I'll talk get to Vic. him. Get Vic. I'm. Yeah. Go. Go get my big black friend. I'll talk to him. You guys are in trouble. I... Welcome to the sequel machine. Welcome to another episode of the Sequel Machine Podcast. I'm Corey. I'm just one third of your host. With me today is Mr. Brad Scott. Hello. And Will Pfaffenberger. Hello. Pfaffenberger. Yeah, it's fine. We don't need to get into it. It's happened my whole life. How are you, boys? Good. Real fucking good. <laughs> why so? Why Amazing. so good? Well, I, I mean, I, I got an RV. I, I, I heard that magical things happen. Everybody enjoys their trips. It's really easy to use. Ooh, what's There's, a, what's a good RV movie? Our, well, I think RV, right? With uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Well, I oh, wouldn't say it's good. I mean, it's an RV movie. Well, you are, your choices are limited, and uh, good is quite, I mean, it's heavy-handed to say good. Well, there's also Christmas Vacation, Shitter's Full, which isn't really an RV movie, no. but there's a funny RV in it. Uh, I produced a short film that had an RV in it. You did? Yes. You produced a short film? Huh? No, not that one. 
not that one. It's uh, yeah, it's on it's on YouTube. It's uh, it's it's a horror film. Imagine that. Yeah, you it's, love the horrors. Yeah. So you you want to hear the the Google list of RV movies? Okay. This is what Google has come up with as the definitive list of RV movies. Mm. We're the Millers. I was going to say that's I was a good just one. Oh yeah, that. Jason and that's a good Sudeikis. movie. Yeah, I love anything movie. Jason Sudeikis does. Yeah. Um, RV. Spaceballs. Oh yeah. No, that's good. Is Goonies on there? Little Miss Sunshine. That's not bad. Paul. Mm. Movie about the alien. Uh, stripes. Mm-hmm. Which I don't remember an RV and stripes, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I think they converted it. Did they? Did they convert like a military RV? RV? And they they put like gun turrets in it. Because like stripes starts as like a buddy comedy, and then halfway through becomes a war movie, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, anger or uh, about Schmidt, the Jack Nicholson movie. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember. I do. I remember movie. that a little bit. The Leisure Seeker. Don't know that don't one know at that all. One. Meet the Fockers. Oh, okay. Okay. The Blues Brothers. All right. Where was the RV at in that one? I think they just use it to go around. The Long, Long Trailer. Okay. Starring Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Well, now we're really reaching back in time. <laughs> Lost in America. Is this? Li- I figured this list could have ended like minutes ago. Oh, no. There's still five more. Winnebago Man. Winnebago Man. I remember watching that movie, but I can't remember what it's about. The Lost World Jurassic Park. Which technically, yeah, because they're like when that's where they're stationed when they go to the island. Yeah. Um, Judgment Night. Yeah. Emilio yes, Estevez. I forgot and, about that one. Uh, I think maybe Ice T's in that as Den- well. Nope. Dennis Leary. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Last two: Race with the Devil. <laughs> and Don't know that one. Beethoven's Third. <laughs> Well, the third installment of the Beethoven series. Finally included an RV. <laughs> Future episode? We made a list. Yeah, that would, actually, that would be an interesting movie to watch for Sequel Machine. Uh, I've not seen any of the Beethovens. You've not seen either. any of the Beethovens? No. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. I you... think those movies came out past my kid phase. Yeah. Way Aren't past... we like three months away from each other? <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> no. but you have the mind of a child. Very true. Yes. Very true. Uh, have you seen Air Bud? No. Nah, I haven't seen that Man, either. Man, you guys have missed out on some really good dog movies. Why were you watching children's <laughs> films when you were like 18? When I was a child? No, when you were 18. Oh, no, no, no. no. Beethoven was like early 90s. Nah. Guys, have you guys seen Snow Dogs? <laughs> Cuba Gooding Cuba Jr. Gooding. was amazing in that movie. Uh, Beethoven came out in 1992. Oh, wow. So, yeah, what was they doing wow. watching a, child, a child's movie at the age of 10? Well, that seems like even then, as a 10-year-old, I was like, fuck that. I was like, that's a movie for a child. I was 10. Beethoven's like, second was 93, so- and I saw that. Now, that's where I did leave off because 2000 was when we got Beethoven's third. Okay. See, at that point, you would have been I a think, yeah, I think I was completely out of the franchise by then. I was like, no, I already get it. It's a big dog uh, who slobbers. And then I want to see when Air Bud first came out because... That's got to be late later than beethoven i think that yeah, i think, think that's 97 be, yeah still 15 you wouldn't go see air Bud at 15 i would watch any basketball movie at that age let me i ask mean you, the, i watched the air up there were you were you fooling around with girls 
at the age of 15? Were you making out? Were you heavy petting? He was watching. Absolutely. How do you think I set the mood? I would get him in a, get him in a room, light a candle and turn on Airbud. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you, that's, that's just the movie you say you're going to go watch when you really go to your car and park and have sex. And, well, I guess you couldn't really drive at 15. That was, I mean, I did. I stole my parents' car. I'm like, I'm going to go see Airbud. My friend's picking me up. And then I stole their car, went and had sex. No, but I'm saying by the time you're, by the time you're fooling around with, like, when you're sexually charged, like, you shouldn't be watching Airbud as, like, a genuinely interested party. I think it might be a good post-com movie. I think, I think Brad was a late bloomer. <laughs> oh, man. Really? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I made up for it in the uh, early 20s. Yeah, I feel like that, that's what happened. <laughs> By the it? way, I love how the early bloomer is the one who has an, who had an illegitimate child for six months. That, <laughs> raise but your hand if you haven't had an illegitimate child at any point in time. Well, that exactly that speaks exactly to the theory that you were you were a late bloomer because you're like I got. That's what happens to kids who who don't experiment mm. in, in high school is that they end up like going crazy and making terrible mistakes when they're free in I college. Think, or I think buying. By the standards, probably of the time, and then the time moving forward. Because I do feel like kids became more sexually active at younger ages. The the further we go, uh, I I do think I was probably more late to the party on losing my virginity, but I'd covered the other bases. Okay. You know what I mean? I wasn't hitting home runs, but I was like I was like uh uh Cal Ripken. You know what I mean? Like I was gonna show up every game, and I might I might only hit a single or two, but I was gonna be there. And uh, you know, three thousand. Well, I know you're trying to defend games. yourself, but you have nothing to be ashamed about. You should be you should be happy that you you took you, you were careful early. Everybody wishes that would have uh, sustained through the rest of your life. True, but, <laughs> but looking back, I honestly this is my philosophy now. I feel like uh like teen moms have it right like they nailed it you either want to get pregnant in your early teen or like not early teens but like mid-teens or <laughs> like after your career is established one of those two i love this i love because i think i i agree with this, this right because here's here's why so Corey, uh, i know why. i have a son who is 13 he will be 14 this summer okay okay I had, I got, I, I, uh, I had him when I was 25. If I had him when I was 16, he would have been out of the fucking house four years ago and I would have been back to my life. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, I mean, that that's a legitimate. I think that's a legitimate argument. Get it for, out of the way, and well, then you can you can do whatever well, you want with we, the rest of your life. Plus, you've already done the parenting thing. Well, we have we have friends uh, from high school who who got pregnant unexpectedly, and uh, and we judged them then like it was a big taboo thing. Still, then to be like, ew, they had premarital sex and they had a baby and they like struggled. But now their kids are. <laughs> like full grown adults and like basically yeah. out on and they're our age. They're still young yep. people. And they're out and, living their life and they're like, Well, let's go party tonight. And you guys are like, Well, we got we got the kids school tomorrow. They're yeah. doing the virtual thing, well, so we've gotta be up and and at them. Well, we did it the opposite way where we, we waited until we were But you're established. Yeah, you did it the smart it, we, way we, too. We, well, I don't know because we're gonna be old as shit by the time that they're full yeah, grown adults. But you have the but you have the financial security you have the the career stability that you you you're this isn't when you were trying to break into radio i had a kid as i was going from host to feature just going on the road and i was like you know what to make this process a lot easier more memorable if i have a ch-. now granted my act is so happy that 
gonna happen. So you know, uh, it's funny. All this is really similar to uh, what happened in Coming to America, uh, where he had sex and had a kid way early and didn't even know it. So yeah, but he he didn't find out after six months. Plus, he was a king. Yes, I no one has ever said to me in my entire life the royal penis is clean, Your Highness. Would be nice though. Would be nice. <laughs> Maybe you'll run into the right lady. Despite the despite the cameos I've requested. <laughs> you know, you probably make enough at your next headlining gig to hire a prostitute to say that for you after the worst BJ of your life. Corey, before I take you home tonight, we're stopping by East Washington no, Street here not. in Indianapolis. No, thank you. Uh, the royal penis is clean, your high myth. So, did, had <laughs> you seen... Yeah. Speaking of the original, had you seen... Have either of you seen the original, and uh, and what, what impact did it have on your life if you did? Coming to America, yes. yes. That's the movie we're talking about today, by the way. Coming numerical sign to America. Yes, the sequel. Uh, yes, I've seen the original about a thousand times. And Did uh, you see it in the theaters? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I must no. have been HBO was the first place I saw it. This is one of those films that was always on in the afternoon on Channel 4 in Indianapolis. When Channel 4 didn't have WTTV a network. WTTV 4. Yeah, WTTV 4 before it was it had a, a network affiliation where all they could do was play old yep. 80s yeah. movies <laughs> as programming. So what, I, what other shows do we have in syndication we can run? Yeah. And it was that probably one of those HBO on loops with like Beverly mm-hmm. Hills Cop, Terminator. And uh, so, like, so, Corey, how old were you when you saw it? Uh, when did this come out? Was this 87? 87, I think. Or Yeah, because it's been like 30 years, 30 years since this came out. Uh, it has... 33 <laughs> years. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think you're right on the money. Um, release date, 2020. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, 88. 88, okay. So, yeah, at the time I was 12, so no, I didn't see it in the theater. So it had to have been HBO that I first saw it, and, you know... Seeing it, seeing it as a kid, I, probably the first few times. I'm sure it, I wasn't 12 when I saw it. I'm, I'm sure it, you know it was a few years later, at least when I got to middle school. And then, then that's me and my buddies all saw it, and we were just watching it all the time, and you know reciting lines. And you know I've watched it. I don't remember the last time I watched it, but it has been within the last couple of years, and I could still quote the thing. It's just that that movie is so quotable. So you were around, you know. Probably 14. I was probably 14 or 15 when I first saw it. What about you, Will? Uh, it had to have been 10 again. I'm sure that, that my parents were like, you want to go to the theater and see Beethoven? I was like, no, I'd rather stay here and watch Coming to America this Where's afternoon. our car? <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, I think I probably in in the early 90s, I saw it on television, uh, multiple times on television. And Eddie Murphy did an inter- interview recently about like they were promoting this film. Uh, coming number two to America, number two to America, <laughs> and uh, and he was like, yeah, I I always catch it on TV still to this day. He's like, I'll stop. It's like one of those movies you could stop and watch like 15 minutes and get a good bit, and then move on with mm. your life. Uh, I saw it for the first time last night. I cannot believe that. Yeah. I can't believe that. It was just one of those movies it. that fell through the cracks. Sure, I'm sure at a certain point in time in my life, I had a uh, kind of a. I probably didn't want to watch it out of, like a spiteful. Uh, feeling towards it just because I feel like that happens a lot with movies where if you miss one people go you've never seen blah 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 and this was one of those movies I had never seen and then everybody just talked about how it was the greatest comedy uh, of all time I will say I did think it was it wasn't bad like 
it was probably better than my expectations even because I was expecting it to be so dated and so kind of, you know, of the time that a lot of it wouldn't hold up. But I think a decent, like, I think one of the best lines in the entire movie and it's just a funny line is when he initially gets to New York and the cab driver yells, you dumb fuck. And then like five minutes later when he's in the cab, he looks at Arsenio Hall and he's like, what does the dumb fuck? Yeah. <laughs> And the Eddie, like Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's voice is that key, especially in the original was just, it has a very funny kind of, it hits the ears. Very, very funny. Yeah. No, it was, it's a great Eddie Murphy character and Eddie Murphy was in his uh, stride, I would say comedically mm-hmm. in the eighties for sure. And he was beloved. And I, I think Eddie Murphy still hits today. I enjoyed watching coming number two to America. <laughs> his SNL. <laughs> Uh, his SNL episode oh, was amazing. Shit. That was such a good. That, that's one of those SNL episodes, and they're they're rare uh, at any point in time. So don't make this a, a time thing. Where an entire episode, front to back, every sketch hits. Every oh god, every segment's perfect. It was all oh, well done. So well so, done. So I mean, he he is a he is a brilliant performer and always has been comedic a comedic genius and a great character performer and anything Eddie Murphy. I, I know there were some weird, there were some weird times where he did like children's movies and they don't hit the same. Like you'd Pluto expect. Nash. Yeah. Yeah. And like the on and mansion, whatever that, what was it? The nutty? He was, was he the nutty, nutty professor, professor? and Dr. Doolittle and Dr. Doolittle. And it was just like, all right. Okay. And like, he's just making money at this point, just Disney money or whatever it was. But like they're, they're, just Eddie Murphy's writing and performance is all, I mean, even now, like you thought he was going to have some rust on it when he came to SNL cause he hadn't performed for so long. And it was like fucking just like he was right back there. Yeah. In stride. The, every, every sketch was, was just, uh, it was so a haymaker. Good. I a mean, they've been begging him to come host that ever since he left. He's never hosted the show. That was the first time he'd hosted. I don't even the think he did the anniversary, the fortieth anniversary no. show either. I don't think he even appeared there. There was something about it, like it, like there was some history there where he. Was, oh, you know what? It was a David Spade joke. What's that? He saw them doing um, yeah. a weekend update, or not a week? Yeah, it was a weekend was update. Weekend update. Oh. And David Spade has a joke where they put Eddie Murphy's. Uh, picture on a on the screen, and he says, "Oh, look, a falling star," <laughs> and that like apparently just pissed Eddie Murphy off so much that he just would n- vowed to never go back to the show or do anything with him again. And he was so insulted by it, and yeah, it took till that was because that was what 2019, yeah, 2019 when he came back. So it, it was almost. 30 years later. Well, if you go check it out, like two or three years ago, uh, he's in sitting in cars with comedians or riding in cars with comedians with Jerry Seinfeld. And that is like the first long form interview he had done in a long ass time that wasn't promoting a movie. Like just honest. And Jerry was like, you think you'll ever come back to this? Do you miss this? And he's like, he's like, you know, man, like if it's the right thing. And I like, I love performing. I love doing this. Um, and I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the itch again, but uh, nothing has hit me right just yet, but he's like, I think I'm, I think I'm ramping back up into it. Like I'm working on a, some new stuff. And well, he has a Netflix special, right? That's supposed to be coming out at some point. Yeah. I've heard about this stand-up special for it feels like for years now. I don't know if the pandemic pop, that kind of feels like it may have thrown everything off kilter, and, and who knows? But uh, well, well, he had a he had a gigantic family, so he he had a ton of kids, and so I get it now that I'm in the throes of that shit. It, <laughs> he had a ton of kids, and he was just raising his family. I think he just like was rich enough and just wanted to focus on getting his kids raised. Well, and I'm sure there's probably a point early on where like he wanted to have some 
you know, some sort of material that his kids could watch at five and it, he wouldn't be considered bad parenting. Because, yeah. I mean, pretty much everything up until that point was, you know, pretty raunchy, including the original Coming to America. Uh, where does it rank for you guys as far as Eddie Murphy movies go? Because I think personally, I think Beverly Hills Cop might be my number one. Surprisingly, I think Meet Dave might be in my uh, top couple as well. I love that movie. Well, you and I were talking about this on the way over here, and Coming to America is in my top five for him. I'm not exactly sure what order I would have them in, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know, maybe maybe two. I think it's my my other ones were. What's, yeah, what's that list? Well, uh, I'm trying to now. I got to go back and think. Trading Places and Coming uh, to America. Coming to America. Uh, da, da, da. Fuck. Now, now, now I can't even think about it. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Forty-eight. Did I say forty-eight hours? I don't think so because I think if you remember correctly, that is not aged well Harlem at Nights. all. Harlem Nights. Harlem Nights and uh, Golden Child. Golden Child. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Forty-eight hours is not. Oof, man, that is a rough watch. Yeah. So I, I, I think probably coming to America is probably number one or number two. Will, what about you? Where does it rank in your Eddie Murphy? Uh, Man, stratosphere. I, I have to tell you, I loved Eddie Murphy uh, on SNL, and I love his stand-up, his stand-up specials. So I'm going to say his stand-up specials, SNL, and then Coming to America. <laughs> 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 like as far as like the films go, I, I guess I, I didn't really get into. I think they were just a touch early. Like his his prime films were a bit more adult. They were definitely early '80s at the time that I was. You know, I, I wouldn't have gone to the theater to watch an Eddie Murphy movie, but I definitely love him now and appreciate like the comedic performer that he is. Well, I will say there was also some movies Corey and I even uh, left out. Uh, Boomerang is a good movie. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, it was it wasn't bad, but it definitely doesn't it, for me isn't better than those other five. Uh, and then you know he said Trading Places, Arnold Nights, Forty Eight Hours. I've never seen another Forty Eight Hours because I kind of felt like I was good. It's probably yeah. It's probably I. It, I think I saw it a long time ago, then you, but, but it's then you, just like the first one. You kind of get into, you know, you kind of get into that phase of the Haunted Mansion, Pluto Dash, Norbit. Uh, Vampire in Brooklyn wasn't bad. Yeah, that wasn't bad. Um, and then he goes, yeah, he, he definitely goes heavy on the, the family-friendly. Uh, Holy Man uh, comes out. Metro, when he was kind of trying to be a little bit of an action star. Oh, God, what was with that hair, too? For what, Metro? Yes. Look at the cover of that. Yeah. I see it. <laughs> that was such a weird time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he was just cashing in. Yes. You that, know? That was, that was... No, Beverly Hills Cop 3 was cashing in. That movie is trash. The theme park or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so bad. Um, so let's get to Coming to America 2. We watched that. Um, it it's it's a little bit controversial and not controversial in the sense of like offensive controversial in the in the sense of whether people consider it to be funny or not or whether they consider it to be good or not uh, some people have been saying that it was too woke uh, that the PG-13 rating hurt it it definitely isn't nearly as misogynistic or raunchy as the first um, what were your guys' kind of you know, overall thought first, you know, there's no real bankroll or bust. Yeah. Um, it made so, $0. No, it did not. That's actually not true. Uh, but first, do you, uh, how about this? I'll have you guys guess the original. Um, it had a $36 million budget as released June 29th, 1988. This is the height of Eddie Murphy. Um, the Eddie Murphy had his powers. 
I say it made $350 million is my guess. $85 million. Will, did you look beforehand? I did not. The movie made somewhere between $288.8 and $350 million. Damn. Woo, that's two weeks in a row. That is. If this is the right order that we're <laughs> releasing them in. <laughs> Where's my one-ups out? I don't think I have. I don't think I plugged it in. Correctly. I think I was just going with. I've been so wrong the first few episodes about what I anticipated, and they were all way higher. It seems like anybody at the height of their movie making. Oh yeah, now status made like three hundred million dollars. This movie, while Corey was incorrect in saying it did not make anything, it actually did. Amazon had to purchase the rights to it. Mm. And so uh, I don't even think they have a budget for it uh, either, to be honest. Uh, let's see here. Coming to America. We are there we go. coming to America. Yeah, no, I think this is interesting. This new model that we have to uh, negotiate or navigate here is, is very interesting. Obviously, it was worth his time to make this movie. 60 million is what the budget was. 60 million. How much do you think Amazon paid for it? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'm going to say they paid like $200 million for it. Corey? 250. 125. Feels like they maybe got a steal. Hmm. That's pretty good though. I mean, if you think like, if you think like the budget's 60, if we double it, we've, we've mm -hmm. been successful, especially for a streaming film. Yeah. That's not going to be released. It was originally intended to be released in theaters, but that's I, a fucking win. Yeah. I, I'd say that's great. 125 million. They more than doubled it and Amazon's probably going to get the subscribers out of it or the advertising out of it. Well, and, and it's, it's for Amazon at this point, it's, I don't even feel like it's, it can't be about getting more. How many more subscribers are there? It's, I feel like it's just more like, adding trophies to the mantle in a way like you know they've got Borat yes. now they've got coming to America like yes acquiring a bald ego to put next to your uh, white giraffe exactly yes head. yeah uh, it's because yeah I mean Amazon is it's, it's a pretty at some point this is going to be an Amazon podcast that we are all just worshiping our leader Jeff Bezos by you know throughout so once the Dark Lord takes control and fully uh, I'm out before then enslaves us it's Amazon at this point doesn't need to worry about money. It is just yeah. Well, yeah, one hundred twenty-five million dollars is like what maybe one minute. Of, like we we will make this back in one minute. Well, then, not only that, they're probably going to eventually license it out to other streaming services, which will then it'll pay kind of for itself again. And then obviously there'll be Blu-rays for people like Corey that still want yep. a physical copy of a movie. Um, so. Let's get to coming to America too. What did they get right? We've always said, I think they nailed the first, the first step in a sequel usually being good is what, Corey? Is uh, bring that back the original cast. <laughs> principal cast. Yes. yes. At least having the principal players return and this movie. They had, nailed it. Yeah. They had, everyone was back. Uh, and not everybody. Eric LaSalle did not return. Who is Eric LaSalle? Why am I? The Jerry Curls. Oh, okay. Well, but so glow. 
Okay, so but the, the characters you would need for the sequel. Probably we didn't need thing. anything else from his character. Like we wrapped him, yeah. the wrap up for him in, in the original movie was was enough because he was just the foil in the way to the girl. So he wasn't needed for the sequel. So I'll say everyone they would have needed if you were going to lay out and design the sequel. I feel like they nailed getting him back. You brought James Louis, Earl Jones you or Cineo Hall Anderson back. You could have brought Eric LaSalle back <laughs> for just yeah. like a cameo. Yeah, yeah. but why, there's got to be a story there, right? I'll, no. I'm on it. I'm on it. There was no story for having Louis Anderson back. Now he's in. Now he's in. Uh, he, he, he's in Africa. He lives in Africa. Yeah, they opened at McDowell's. Still working at McDowell's. Yeah, I, that's I, funny. I, I think that's track. hilarious. I needed a check. That's my Louis Anderson. Yeah, I, I, just give me a check. I haven't been getting Family Feud checks in a while. <laughs> I I uh, actually love Louis. <laughs> you guys make fun of all he wants. He's a fun. He's a funny motherfucker too. I he's very. He was very funny. Um. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back as much as the cast uh, as you can is always a plus in my opinion. And they did that. They brought they brought back Eddie. They brought back uh, the actress that played his wife. That played his her dad. I th- I don't know. Yeah, Her no. Mom even wasn't there. Even the 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 servant who the the mm. guy who announces things was the same guy. Uh, the McDowell's owner manager yeah. is the same guy. The brother, which John oh. Amos from yeah. John uh, Amos. Different Strokes. Nope. Good times. Good times. Yes. You want? It's eat? amazing that which these people are still alive. Wasn't it? Re- wasn't Good Times referenced in this movie? I have a feeling that there was a. Um, Oh, because it maybe maybe it was something else that I was watching where oh well he uh, said Jimmy JJ Walker was singing singing the theme song to to Good Times and it's like you yeah you think you know that song better than I do or something like that oh yeah and Uh, it's like okay well there's a there's a joke towards uh, James Amos there is uh, there is a I I found the reason for Eric LaSalle not appearing in this movie oh yeah so apparently. there were, you know, there were references to Soul Glow. There was. The creators have revealed they had a planned cameo scene they originally had in mind. Um, in the first coming to America, LaSalle played Daryl Jenks, blah, 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 blah. Uh, many more fans were hoping to see some kind of Easter egg referencing. Unfortunately, Eric LaSalle was not interested in reprising the role for coming to America. In a new interview with Rolling Stone, co-creator David Sheffield and director Craig Brewer have revealed how they would have included LaSalle's character if the actor, actor had accepted their offer to return. As Sheffield explains, Daryl since gone bald and now endorses a miracle hair growing product called Soul Grow. <laughs> I'm sorry that Eric didn't want to be, take part in the sequel because we had a plan for him. We wanted to do a new commercial that would have been seen in the background somewhere in a scene and it was going to be called Soul Grow. The joke was going to be that Eric is, not, is now selling a baldness cure and he was also a customer. The ad called for Eric to be bald and for hair to sprout out of his head magically. <laughs> That's good. That's a good bit. That would have been. He didn't want to do that. He did not. Nope. He oh. must. He's grown as a person. He's he's past that I don't time find of his that life. Funny. And yeah, it's, it's probably it's yeah. The, I I kind of get it. He's probably because I mean I'm sure he hears soul glow. That's all and, he hears. Yeah. yeah so it's like now does he want to add in? I mean maybe if he wants to Come spice on, it man. up. You 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 made money off this movie. Don't act like how much. I don't it's know. not like I don't think he's Eddie getting royalties for it. I'm sure he's up. getting royalties for it. Well, even at the time, like I don't, I don't know what else was Eric LaSalle in. I'm, he did an else ER. Like, well, but like, he doesn't owe them this. another movie. Well, I'm just saying. No, that, uh, but, that, but to sit there and act like I don't want nothing to do with them, you know, it's like come on, just 
People know you from that. Just accept it. Be fine with it. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> well, we don't know why he wasn't interested. No, I know. Yeah. How do you know that people yelling soul glow at him doesn't like torment his nightmares? <laughs> he's waking up and he's having night sweats. <laughs> no, no, not soul glow. Uh, so what did you guys, what else did they get right? Um, Man, I think that they got right the the reversal of of this being about women being allowed to ascend to the throne as a pl- as the major plot point of like you think you're gonna you're gonna see the same movie again with his bastard son but you kind of did uh you did you did yeah. <laughs> well, but 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 the but then it had a different it had a different ending right so well not only, it, it, no. that, that, that was foreshadowed not only that though but what aside from just his son you know falling in love with a woman what other dynamics were really the same because the original is about eddie being a prince pretending to be poor in new york not knowing his way around so that he can uh you know find his true love and this one is about his son who is basically just learning the culture for the place like the you know like he he completely accepts the wife initially and that it's you know him falling in love with the groomer over the course of the movie, but this is his son adjusting to the life as a king as opposed to the yeah. prince the pretending to be movie, poor. A the pauper, first movie was about Prince Akeem accepting his wife and then deciding, you know what? I don't want to sit there and live by the same you know thing that we keep doing. I'm going to go to America and I'm going to let me search this out for a minute first. I'm going to kind of go against this. And he ends up finding his bride. And this one, the kid goes along with the whole acceptance of yeah he you know he was accepting that other uh that uh, wesley snipes's daughter uh as his bride and then he started realizing you know what i don't want to accept the same thing that we have to keep going following the same thing uh you know it always got has to be set i up. must have just missed the scenes where he then goes to america to pretend to be poor and no, find his bride no but it's the same idea though i mean he they're they both were deflecting the 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 their normal rituals where the, you would uh he kind of wasn't though tribe. until the very end the movie's about him accepting the rituals yeah, yeah like halfway through he ended up his hairstylist he ends up liking her and ends up that's against that norm she's not a princess from another tribe it's the same thing yeah but that's a very i and feel they, like base was, way to look at it well, yeah. I mean, you break you break the whole idea, whole plot down, and that's what it is. But then that's just. I mean, it, it's just two. It's Romeo and Juliet. Two it's, people it's, from no. different sides of the track falling in love. Well, I mean, in a cousin version way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but that's how I look at your breakdown of this movie no, compared I mean, to the that's first. Literally, what happened? It's Joe Bobbio and Julie, Julie Ann, <laughs> the the Louise. The first movie set in New York. Yeah. This movie is set in the the fictional country, right? Of was Wakanda. it a fictional country? Here's what I like. Here's what I like. The, they don't want to undermine the message of the first story, which is to marry for true love. Don't marry for convenience or wealth or tradition or culture. You got to marry with a human being that you connect with. It's the same plot line here, only they reverse the setting and they reverse the mm-hmm. trajectory. So 
well, then this guy's learning about wealth culture, royal culture in a different country. And Eddie Murphy in the original is learning about street culture in, uh, in America. But, but ultimately, like, yeah, they didn't want to undermine. They didn't want to say, fuck that. Like, yeah, this, let's just let this guy get married for wealth. So I, I, I get why I, I like that they what I think they got right was keeping with the original message, but offering a different way. I feel like the first one was Eddie looking for true love where this one is. This was his son finding himself as a person. Yeah. And the the groomer that he falls in love with is just a piece of him figuring out who he is as a person. Whereas I felt like the first one, Eddie was, I mean, nothing really about Eddie's character. And we figure that out from this movie changes outside of the fact of his view on relationships. Everything else he views pretty much the exact same way as how he was raised. Wouldn't it be nice to learn about yourself as a person by getting bathed by three gorgeous (laughs) women and apparently getting to finish in the tub, like in the tub Mm -hmm. because of that is, and then having the girl you fall in love with be cool about it. Like reference, like I could tell by the way you're smiling. Smile, they yeah. jerked you off after the, <laughs> after your bath, and, you're, and, and she's like, "But I think you're cool." And then she's the one, like, then you get the cool girl. So it's like that is not that was never my path to learning about myself. I never had the opportunity to grow as a person by getting a hand job in the bathtub. <laughs> And then having uh, the girl that I was going to love. Bubba the love sponge tried, Will. No, oh, I, I know. <laughs> Just think of how many growing moments I could have had in Tampa, Florida. Yes, for those that don't know, Will was an intern at the Bubba the love sponge show, and he ended up uh, choosing principal over career when they asked him to get a blowjob from a prostitute on the air. I'm basically Hakeem. He's bad. You know, it was like not coming in Tampa. That's what I did. Except for I don't think that girl was saying the royal penis is clean or hide it. Oh, no. I she think she was saying, how much money am I getting? Um, that's w- And that's one difference uh, compared to the first movie where the, that scene in the in the first movie where she get, they, uh, Akeem gets the bath, they're all naked. The women are naked. Where in this one, they're clothed. Because it's PG-13. I know it. I know. That's what Which, I'm saying. That's some, that's some of the subtle changes. Let me ask you this. What do you agree with that decision or not? This is this would be like I guess a, a a a question of what they got right, what they got wrong. Did they get it right by going with the PG? Because th- I feel like you do that when it's a theatrical release, so that you can hopefully have a wider audience. I would feel like that would be less important when it came to streaming. I think with this movie, it's 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 a tough it's tough to say because the first movie was set in New York and so the R rating seemed natural because you could have all the, the offensive language and it would seem it would and it would seem natural but you change that to a setting in Africa and it just it just doesn't seem like um, they would they would cuss as much as somebody from New York would well, you can't have three servant women with their titties out jerking a guy off in a bathtub <laughs> and then also have a strong feminist story. Like, like you, you undermine your credibility when you're talking about, we have to change this culture so women can ascend to the throne. But meanwhile, you're like, oh, by the way, there's also... Uh, the the titty triplets jerking you off like you can't <laughs> no but you could have you can't have you can't have that when you're trying to be like press a, a progressive you could have showed the dong of, of the guy that cleaned leslie jones's vagina uh you could have and yeah, that would have been just another example of flipping for you know turning yeah. the tables yeah well okay so it would have come down to probably more about language not nudity so yeah, for sure do you think this movie because you say you don't need that like but 
Tracy Morgan's character, Leslie Jones's character, Lunell's character, all those characters are from New York. Mm. And those are actually three notoriously more of the raunchier uh, comics. Yeah. You know, so I feel like it. I think I think if anything in this movie, the language could have been beefed up with Tracy and maybe Leslie, but definitely or, Tracy. Or because Eddie did in the first movie come back from New York, maybe he taught the rest. So maybe everybody's calling each other a dumb fuck. That could have been a, a pretty funny, you know, kind of recurring uh, mm. uh, bit. So I don't know. I feel like. Do you think the reason why they wanted a wider audience? Because does should that matter with streaming? No, I think a lot of it came down to the fact that uh, did Eddie write the entire film? Do you know? I bet he. Because I bet he. I bet he had definitely a, a major hand in script my, approval. If he didn't literally write the whole thing. My thinking is that he is screenplay not- by. Oh no! Oh, it's interesting. Screenplay by. Kenya Barris, Barry Blostein, David Sheffield, no Eddie Murphy credited as a writer. So hmm, that is interesting. Okay, can well, that throws you, my theory out. Well, can I tell you, like, I, I enjoy a movie that that can be funny and not be raunchy, like something that could still have very funny right. pacing and dialogue and characters and not have to be raunchy. And, and I'm all about like if something's raunchy and funny, I, I don't I don't give a shit. Like I'm happy about that. But like some of my fa- my favorite scenes in this movie just like in coming in the original movie coming not number 2 to America, <laughs> coming to America, where like where they're doing the good character work that is just cont- a contained bit. Like the barbershop scenes mm-hmm. in both movies. They're, they're brilliant characters, the dy- the dynamic engagement between those characters, the jokes, the conversations, they get away with being edgier and a little darker and a little more uh, I would say politically incorrect because they're old ass men and you're like, "Oh yeah, these that's the that's a character. That's not Eddie Murphy." Uh, or whatever. So mm-hmm. you're going, you're going like, of course, those are dumb fucking barbershop guys, and they're hilarious because of who they are. Uh, and then also the scene in Coming Number Two to America, uh, where the shaman James Earl Jones, Arsenio Hall, and Eddie Murphy are talking about. He's revealed that he's got a bastard son, but it's just like pure silliness between the between those four characters. Mm-hmm. Like, like the pacing of that scene is so good, and it's just silly and dumb and that's what i that's what i liked is like i feel like they set up in coming number two to america lots of little moments with the best like good scenes between the characters you want to see be funny when when uh james earl jones is talking to eddie murphy and then he just goes i'm dead (laughs) just his eyes start to slowly close and he dies i thought that was hilarious yeah he's like son i'm going to die die. now (laughs) i think uh in, in terms of the language though i don't think foul language is necessary to be funny uh, okay, I, I think it's funnier when it's I mean, we, when it's done sparingly. Uh, you know. No, I will disagree with that. But go ahead. Finish and, your point. Uh, so I don't think it's nece- it would have been necessary for this movie to be funny. I think the material that was written should have been funnier. Okay, so I have had this conversation many of times in the world of comedy, um, and I'm usually the only one on this side. So maybe I'm wrong. I believe like when that's a long standing thing of like cursing is a crutch. It's always a crutch. Mm-hmm. It's 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 you know something's not as funny as something without cursing if it has cursing in it. I disagree. I think it's situational. I think if the curse word is just the only part of the joke, then yes, it's probably weaker and reliant, 
But sometimes cursing just enhances jokes. Sometimes just hearing a, sometimes the way certain curse words hit, they just enhance jokes. And I don't think that is a uh, easy way out or anything like that. If it's fitting, if it makes sense to the joke, the joke could be just as creative, just as smart, just as funny as a joke without cursing. If it has cursing in it, if the cursing is natural, not forced. Yeah, I agree. Like I, the dumb fuck thing in the first one, if he calls him a, a dumb jerk, it, that's nowhere near as funny as no. dumb fuck. Well, yeah, because Correct. then he's using it as a as a pleasant greeting later or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's it's the fish out of water comedy scenario where he doesn't get why he doesn't get it that it's an insult, but it's like he- a heavy insult. It would be like using cunt now. You know. Oh yeah, that would have that would have been where they would have had to go, right? Language wise, to kind of step it up from the first yeah. one. But I mean, Leslie Jones had some pretty fun. Like I could eat the ass out of zipper. I'm so hungry, I could eat the ass out of a zipper or out a zipper. I guess. Yeah, and, she was really good in this. Uh, I think Leslie Jones in general, like she was not great on SNL because she couldn't remember lines and she had a hard time reading cue cards. <laughs> but just as a person, as a personality, Leslie Jones is fucking hilarious. I feel like she's one of those with me. She's hit or miss with things, but when she hits, it's like a fucking home run knockout. Cause like some of the, even some of the sketches on SNL that she did, like uh, who was, what's, what's the name? The, the ninja who is used to be a cashier at Kohl's <laughs> and she's just like this 40 year old woman who studied under this ninja guy. And she's the worst ninja. She's just like walking around the set, <laughs> hiding behind ladders and clear view. Like that kind of stuff was really funny. I didn't however care for her when she would do like the monologues on weekend update. I wasn't a huge fan of those, but certain yeah. sketches, when she was funny she's really fucking funny i thought she was great in ghostbusters to be honest yeah even though everybody hated it yeah if you watch that back she's actually kind of funny you know just on her own yeah she she was really good at this movie uh they that was the same his akeem's wife was the 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 woman from the original right right so yeah that that was the that was it was impressive yeah, no, I think they got a lot. I mean, honestly, I, I think they got a lot right. And I know that people were like, this wasn't as funny or, or as edgy as the original. But I also don't think it was intended to be. I think it was intended to set up, so, like, to be nostalgic and set up some scenes that were going to create some laughs. Like, I just can't. That shaman character for me in this was one of my favorite characters. That, And I don't know if that was in the original. Was that shaman character no, in the original? No, no, no. That, that shaman character is fucking fun. I mean, no, just, that came out. Bastard, John. Bastard, son. He came out, and I'm like, what the fuck? And who and plays that? Is that Eddie our, Murphy or is it Arsenio, Arsenio Hall? He, he came out, and I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I go, oh, son of a bitch. It's supposed to be Rafiki from Lion King. Yes, yes. I'm like, seriously? You're well, gonna- it's half the cast of Lion King. Yeah. It is, yeah. And part of the cast of uh, Shrek. So it, it, all, <laughs> it all comes together. I'm sure this has been pointed out millions of times, but again, I didn't watch the original until last night. Has it been pointed out over the years that James Earl Jones' character, the first one, is walking around with Mufasa pretty much draped over like, yes. yeah. him as a sash? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, they call him Mufasa in this one, don't they? Yes, they do. The barbershop guys, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They, they make a bunch of jokes. Like those are the great. That's the those are great Africa jokes that like you could only get away with because you're Eddie Murphy in Arsenio Hall. Like what mm-hmm. they call him blood. They call him Blood Diamond <laughs> and Safari or something. And it's like it was, cool but dumb. they were so fast that like you like they're so quick and so good. Is this the best 
like these characters are the is this the best example of somebody playing the other characters in a movie like we've had uh adam sandler's done it a, a, a couple of times eddie murphy's probably the most you know, legendary notorious when he did it with not only this movie, but the nutty professor <laughs> with the clumps. And then we had, uh, Martin Lawrence, I believe has done a little bit of this. Um, yeah. Martin used to do it in his TV show. Actually, that might be the other candidate to be honest. I'd say coming to America is probably the best example of it. Uh, Martin's TV show might be the second best. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Well, I might or, even put Martin's TV show. Or ahead of nutty it. professor. Jerome, like I mean, Martin's the characters Martin had on that show were mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, and when Eddie Murphy does it, it's not hokey. It, it, like, the characters are are good, and they feel organically placed in, in where those characters show up. Whereas, like, I love Dana Carvey. Like, he's one of my favorite, like, one of my all-time favorite SNL actors, performers. And I love it. I love his humor. But he did that one. He did maybe a couple different ones. Master of Disguise? Yes, where it was just an Turtle. excuse. Yeah, an excuse for him to do a bunch of characters. Yeah. But, but they were all just... Shoot, they were felt shoehorned in like we're going to specifically go we have to go do this thing so Danny can play this character whereas mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy like organically creates characters for the environment which are I, I think he, he's the best he's the best at playing multiple characters in the same and he's the white guy too Eddie Murphy plays the white guy in the barbershop uh-huh. who I think is the funniest one yeah he's the Jewish one mm-hmm. yeah that is it's a really really good character and it's right it's, they uh they they even make kind of mention of the misogyny thing up front when he talks about uh, how nowadays you can't the one barber someone nowadays you can't what what was he saying you can't you, you can't grab a titty you can't grab a woman's titty, titty without being fired these days and he's like he's like I'm so sorry to hear that you are no longer allowed to uh, touch yeah, a woman against yeah, her will. without her consent and he's like it's okay I got plenty <laughs> in when I was younger <laughs> that's what he said got it in yeah he I got said, it the, in plenty when I was younger yeah yeah that's the, that's the comeback. <laughs> <laughs> um, Corey, do you have any other uh, alter- alternative characters that you can think of? Alternative characters? Like that someone's played by one person? Um, Damn. No, I think we... Well, Martin was in Big Mama's house. Well, but that, that he wasn't like multiple characters on scene. Like I'm talking about multiple characters the, in a movie. The not other person who did it... Dressing up. Famously is Mike Myers in... Oh, of course. In Austin Powers. Where he plays, he plays, oh, he plays true. Austin right. Powers, Doctor Evil, Fat Bastard. Um, well, he, he even did a little bit of like, did he do a little bit of it? So I married an axe murderer because doesn't he also play yeah. his mother? Yes, oh, Mike man. Myers has always played multiple characters mm-hmm. in all the films he plays. So yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, oh, also Jim Varney, might be the original <laughs> in the <laughs> Ernest movie because he played yeah. Ernest. He played Ernest's grand or Ernest's mother. Uh, he would always play like a, a jailer or something like that. So. Yeah, so here's our Mount Rushmore of uh, actors who play multiple characters. Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Jim Varney, and, and Mike uh, Myers. And put, Mike Myers. Yeah. Holy cow, that's a Mount Rushmore, folks. <laughs> well, we need good. five for Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I can't no, think of anybody sorry, else who, do, who, who does it as well as those four guys, for sure. Yeah, I honestly can't think of any other ones right off the top of my head. All right, so now let's go to what they got wrong. Or do anybody have anything else for what they got right? No. No, I I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Okay, I will say this. uh, Callback jokes. I thought they did really well on calling back to the first movie uh, in clever way. Like, uh, Corey on the way up talked about this scene uh, with the woman, his original first wife, 
who is still jumping yeah, she, on one leg and barking still, like a yeah, dog because then he closed up. the loop. Yeah, yeah. It's and hilarious. I and I told Corey, I go, and if like they pretty much set it up for coming to America three because they don't close the loop again. Like she walk, she hops out of the room barking at uh, still. Yeah. So I mean, we're gonna see, you know, when his grandchild uh, has to go for the throne, we'll probably have her back again. Mm-hmm. You know what's weird is when I think of Eddie Murphy, I think of I think of him being like raw, like Eddie Murphy raw, right? Like edgy, like over the top, aggressive, uh, hilarious, hilariously so. But really, at the heart of Eddie Murphy is just a silly, silly motherfucker. Like, like that's what I like is. Is that like if you watch these scenes or you watch the SNL that he hosted, it's like he's got a heart of silliness more than he has a heart of being like the raunchy, like Mm -hmm. provocateur or whatever. That's probably why. I mean, I think it's why he moved towards a lot of those more kind of kids stuff. Yeah. yeah, Zany comedies. I think having kids made him go more towards the kids stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but I think but he stayed. He didn't just well, go make he a. Still f- has kids. Well, I know, but I mean, uh, but okay, but now he still has kids right now, and he's he's uh, back to doing kind of more of the. I think he genuinely found a love for it, though. I think so too. I I and I think he has. I think Eddie Murphy, if, if he would sit with him writing or like throwing ideas around, he would be way sillier mm-hmm. and like goofy than you would expect him to be. Where, he, like he's hailed as a comedic god. A living legend and so i think people fear him fear like they don't want to disappoint him but i think like in his heart he is just a silly dude like how all of us start doing this is just we have silly fucking thoughts and silly ideas and we see the world in a weird way and that's what we want to do but sometimes it comes out and it gets weird or it gets darker like people misperceive us i think like eddie murphy's been misperceived i do and i think arsenio is one of the people that gets him Yes, Which is probably why he had, is such a big part of the first movie and big part of this movie, playing multiple characters and everything else. Because Arsenio does like it, it, those two have a chemistry that you could see on screen. And that's the other thing when you were talking about like how Eddie has silliness. The, the way you could tell Corey is not only was he doing those movies, he never phones it in to get a check. There's movies that you see guys do like that where they're clearly there to get a check and they're just getting through the movie. Eddie gives in to every movie, no matter how ridiculous the movie, the plot, whatever. Eddie's all in on those movies. Well, and I was just I was thinking of like a, a, a sketch that's been done a million times is eating shitty McDonald's food or eating the new experimental fast food and having to like this is the opening yeah, yeah. scene, right? Where uh, Louis Anderson's like, ah, here's the new one from McDowell's. It has no meat in it. And, like, he, sell, he sells, like, anybody could eat a bad burger and make a funny face and be like, this is shit. But when Eddie Murphy does it, it's fun. Like, it's just funnier. It's, it's funnier. Great like, face actor. His, his reactions, uh, the way he plays it, uh, the, way that they, the way that they cut that makes that, like, very typical sketch. A very funny scene. It's a plant-based burger. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, maybe it's better with a Pepsi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, my Louis Anderson sounds like an old-timey cop. An <laughs> 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 no, old-timey burglar, yeah. A burglar, you gangster. Yeah. Uh, rah, huh? You're never yeah. going to get the meat out of this burger, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I had Louis kick. What a cartoon. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what other stuff they, they get wrong. Yeah, we got it. We're doing what they got wrong, right? What so. they got wrong, I would say. Um, I mean, I think I feel like I will say because we will never be able to answer this question, but I feel like it could always be debated. Would the money? Would the movie have had funnier moments with stronger language? I'm going to put that as a half because I feel like that is 
there's a good argument for it on both sides. I agree with what Will said as, as, as far as how they did the new one, and I don't think it maybe necessarily needed it. But I also can't, knowing Eddie, I mean, Eddie Murphy, some of what made everybody fall in love with his comedy was how edgy and raunchy he was. So we don't know what we would have gotten. We don't know if they would have abused, um, you know, using that language. And so I'm going to put that as a half. Yeah, I am too. I think that, uh, like, like, I, I know a lot of people who are turned off of this because they saw it was PG-13. I think subliminally, um, you're you go into it thinking that you're gonna that there's gonna be a lot of cussing Ooh. and it's gonna be like the first one, and then when it doesn't happen, I think, like I said, subliminally you're kind of let down, and that's why. Oh, and, and I think, and you may not even be something you realize. But see, I felt like I knew going in. I feel like once I saw PG thirteen, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a I toned down version it. of that. Well, I'd also heard a few people talking yeah. about how they thought the PG thirteen heard it. So going, in, I will say, going in, if I would have been R rated, I think I may have more thought of it as an adult comedy. In a way, I think the PG thirteen does put a little bit of bias in your head initially, at least. But I will say, it wasn't something that stood out to me either. Like I didn't notice it throughout the movie of mm. like. You know, this is that much t- more toned down. No, so it I wasn't didn't. anything that prevented me from enjoying it. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was rated PG-13 until afterwards. Yeah, I, I think coming the original Coming to America is about two dudes going out and sowing their oats or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a plot. Rum so, Springer. So it's it's Rum Springer. It's American Pie. It's the it's of its time of this decade of like being allowed to get away with comedy based in dudes like fucking up fucking right yes. so that that that's of its time and this this movie is of its time too where call our culture has changed we are promoting we're equal rights we're promoting civil rights where we we have a different perspective on uh a variety of human beings and women especially and so i think that maybe it was just a, a natural byproduct the, the rating was a natural byproduct of trying to write a funny movie Staying in line with the the cultural expectations nowadays for char- for for characters, especially female characters, like you can't have so many titty and fucking jokes, like unless the women are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I would have I would have one thing I think that I they may have gotten wrong. I would have liked to have seen a kind of. I wanted I would have liked to have seen the um, his son. Uh, his son's character have a Arsenio type character of his own, a kind of like oh, sidekick. Yeah. yeah. Well, but no, but in the original, Eddie and Arsenio are very similar in age, no, yeah. and they're more like buddies. Ar- Tracy Morgan is like the uncle, the protective uncle in this movie. I wanted to see him have more of like a buddy, like uh, the dude from um, from Parks and Rec, who played John Ralphio. Yeah, uh, he would have been great in that role as the Arsenio, uh, like of this it's, movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's Ben Schwartz. Yeah, Ben Schwartz. I guess the dude, like when he's hustling tickets in the beginning, kind of the guy who maybe would have dealt with the cops, you know, or something like that. Just kind of that same type of fool. I would have liked to have seen a dynamic like that. Um, the one thing that I kind of laughed at was the scene when it was the flashback to a quote unquote deleted scene from the first movie after they had been to the club and they were interviewing different girls which is another cameo or a couple other girls that they brought back for the for this movie were uh the rapping girls the oh twins, yeah which comes out of nowhere which i thought was kind of so I, and i thought it was kind of funny watching the first one i remember thinking during that scene 
They met a lot of sets of twins on this night at the club mm. who are dressed <laughs> identical to each other. Like, what? I have, by the way, I have sisters who are twin sisters. They are identical twin sisters. Never once, unless it was a, they do, ha- they have gone to these twin type convention things before, but never once have they just been going out for an evening and been like, we've got to wear matching outfits. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, the, the, they allegedly go, uh, they go back to Leslie Jones's place afterwards. And so this is, you know, technically this is a deleted scene. If you want to, if you want to say it that way, yeah, but, it's a revisionist. But, history. but the fact that the, the way that they lit the scene, because they did the de-aging on Eddie Murphy, Oh, the yeah. way they lit the scene, I was like, oh, I know why he's in the dark. It's so you can't see the shitty de-aging that they did on him. Yeah. You can kind of see it if you look close enough. But, yeah, that just... That's the that same thing they laugh. used for that Irish Yeah, it turns out Eddie Murphy didn't even show up that day. It's just a CGI. <laughs> it's like how Luke Skywalker shows up yeah. at the end of The Mandalorian. Oh, shit, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's Sorry about some the, random person. It's a Leslie Jones just probably had to grind a green screen or something. Like, Leslie Jones fucked a green screen for coming number two. <laughs> To America. <laughs> no, they got Jay Farrow. <laughs> yeah. Jay's like, Where, like, why was he not in this movie? <laughs> Jay Farrow, yeah, that's a good question. He would have been great in it. He yeah, would- but I, I mean, I think that, that Eddie Murphy does a movie and then you have all these iconic black actors sign on to be a part of it. This cast was deep. It was good. I mean, this is not a thing they got wrong either. Like, oh boy, wouldn't that be a shitty thing for me to say? And the thing they got wrong is bringing in yeah, all, all, all those black, black comedians, <laughs> all those br- iconic black performers. Where was Louis C.K.? Where? where are the more white? Where are the white comics? In Why this? couldn't John Mulaney have been his prince son? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Just imagine John Mulaney you know playing got, Eddie Murphy. You know what they got wrong? This is a black film. That's what they got wrong. <laughs> Where's the white coming to America? <laughs> That's just America. They have to go back to Sweden. Where's white Africa? <laughs> Damn it! Um, uh, I I don't think there was a whole lot of what like what they got wrong, other than it's just. I, other I, than the fact I did the the other the only other thing for me is I didn't think it was very funny. Well, okay, I thought <laughs> I thought it's probably a big thing. What they got wrong? I thought though that the people, a lot of the people I saw complaining about this movie, it was weird because I felt like their complaints were what the original movie was. Like they're like, oh, it's so formulaic, and I'm like, did you not watch the first one? I mean, it's it's a romantic comedy. It's the exact you know. Uh, ups and downs and this one even had a touch of it like of course it's formulaic like did at least this one had the twist of oh he's not gonna be the king the daughter you know what i mean like the daughter will inherit the throne yeah he went back yeah he but went- I, that's what i'm gonna say the complaints is what is what they got wrong they got the wrong complaints i don't know what people are complaining about because it seems like it just came out and I haven't had any time to go like read any. I, I don't do that anyway. I don't, do I don't that go anyway. to forums I and I don't look, read reviews. I just look it on Twitter. Yeah, and, and, and uh, that's probably the problem. And Twitter, yeah, it's just a fucking minefield of yes, it's it's just people complaining if if they're gonna, especially about movies. But I thought you know for me, uh, uh, the the only thing that they that they got wrong maybe is that I thought it had too much too much plot 
Like I would have preferred more, more like just scenes of the best characters. Like I wouldn't even have needed a love story or 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 a moral lesson or a character to show. Yeah, a character to grow. A character to grow. It could have just been like, "Ooh, we're in Africa now, and here are all the best characters (laughs) doing like doing the best scenes." Speaking of speaking of, uh, do you know whose house that was that they were? I didn't know. It's Rick Ross's house. Which is why he's in the movie. Wait, what was Rick Ross in this movie? Um, I think it was... Was he one of Snipes' generals? I think he may have been one of Snipes' generals, yeah. Which, by the way, we hadn't even mentioned yet. That's a great get. That's going back onto the what they got right. Wesley Snipes. Like, (laughs) when he showed up, I was like, oh! Like, I popped. I popped for that moment. Well, and this is another, like, another tribute. Well, Wesley Snipes, first of all, old school, brilliant. And uh, also the, the another testament to the silliness, the way that <laughs> the way that they have their cultures like have these big ceremonial entrances and all of that. Yes. Like it's just ridiculous, and it's it paying homage to the original, where it's like they were trying to set up such like an over the top, lavish, ridiculous, like just eccentric life of this African. Royalty. Bringing back the dude singing from the first one was a good. Touch as well from mm-hmm. the first when the first movie when yeah. he's like, she's your queen. That's yeah. so funny. It's great. It's a good bit again. Yeah, that was a, that was well done. And they brought back Mr. Randy Watson. Oh yeah, the preacher, right? Yep. Yeah, that was a good touch as well. That's Arsenio, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Arsenio is the preacher. Yeah, yeah. he plays. He, he's not Randy Watson though. Randy Wait. Watson is the singer of Randy Watson and uh uh. The guys in the blue suits. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he Arsenio's character is in this uh, movie called the perverted preacher. I think mm-hmm. what they, they like kept calling him that like three or four times in like two sentences. Like, yeah, we get it. We got it when we watched the. They first also movie. brought back sexual chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yes, sexual well, chocolate. Well, they had the a lot of they had a lot of good musical breakdowns in this one. Yeah, and I did, and I did like I did like the scene towards the end when they were it was at the end when they were playing at the, at the wedding, and th- the guys from the barber shop were there. Yeah, like, these boys are good. I told you these boys are good. Yeah, those are just great characters. Yeah. So we've got one they've got right. We feel like we've covered everything now on what they've got wrong. Right? I mean, anybody have anything else that no. they? No. Corey wanted it to be funnier. Yes. Sure. Uh, Will seemed very happy with it. I was play- uh, I was entertained by it. I was entertained by it. It's not the most hilarious movie I've ever seen, but it was it was it was a good tribute to the original. Absolutely, I agree with that as well. So let's um, do some plugs real quick. Uh, Will, where can people find that great Red Curb content? Go to Patreon.com/slash/RedCurbComedy now and sign up. And soon, I think that you could just come to Red Curb itself. As we uh, incrementally uh, draw closer to maybe trying to do some outdoor shows, that's redcurbcomedy.com. And I'm on social at, uh, at Will Faffy uh, or Producer Will everywhere. And that's not Faffy, F-A-F-F-Y, right? No, it's P-F-A-F-F-Y. Yep. Faffy. <laughs> All right, Corey. Uh, you can find me on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash NKOGonzo. And also, I do my other show, The Breakdown Podcast, every Tuesday live on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash MillerKing underscore 51. Yes, I realize that's a lot. Uh, but if you just go to mine, NKOGonzo, I'm also hosting it, so you can still watch it there. Uh, we do that every Tuesday, 7 p.m. ish. 
Eastern. BradScottComedyShop.com is live. Go to BradScottComedyShop.com to get t-shirts and all that other good stuff. And with that out of the way, let's get back to the show. It's time to find out whether this movie goes into our sequel machine or not. Let's start with Corey. Well, as I am a huge fan of the original, and like I said, I was let down, you would think that I would put this in there, but I'm going to say no, because I don't think this, we didn't even need this one. I say no. Okay. So it was just so unnecessary. He just wants to scrap it. I went to him first because I thought for sure this was going to be one that he wanted to redo. No, I don't even want to redo it because I didn't think, I didn't think we needed to go back. I, I think the original is fine. There's no reason for it. And this was just a money grab. It's like everybody's clamoring for it because it's been 35 years. Which they acknowledge in the movie. Yeah. And, and they even make a joke in there. It's like uh, that they don't like Hollywood movies because it's nothing but uh, superheroes and movies, movies about uh, sequels that nobody ever wanted. And it's like, oh, you mean like this one? They do say that. They do make that self They say that. Yeah. They say that as a wink to you. Yeah. Yeah. But they still <laughs> went ahead and made the movie. Yeah, because people did want it. $125 million. Now, this is going to be weird because... Am I next? You're next. Well, I I uh, I enjoyed this movie. I was entertained by it, but I w- I'm going to I'm gonna say something unexpected, too. I would I would vote to put this into the sequel machine. Should have started with Will. Because uh, I think that... I think that you could have pared this down. Like, the sequel to Coming to America could have been pared down, like I said earlier, to using the best characters from coming to America and, <laughs> and developing some sort of story, non-story that would have been a hilarious joyride. Just, just a, even if it was just a self like, well, to reference this jerk off, uh, of Eddie character, Eddie and Arsenio characters interacting in some sort of more basic story. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that if I would put it in, it'd just be like, Ooh, let's just make the funniest movie we can make. Yeah, I agree. I would have definitely had more Eddie Arsenio uh, interaction as well because again I said they, they, the chemistry just comes off the screen between those two yeah you can tell there's just two guys I mean, that comedically know each other like strangers strangers with candy uh, remember what, what or brain candy when uh, kids in the hall or Monty Python movies strangers with good. candy about the Stra- 80 year old woman who's like in high school yes yeah and she's, not, she's not 80 she's an ex prostitute Okay. <laughs> yeah. But but where where you just have you have this thing that they call a movie but it's really just an excuse to use the best characters in a bunch of different great sketch like scenes and it's loosely threaded together. That's how Monty Python made their movies. They all had plots, but they're all very basic plots so that they True. could do the most hilarious scenes with their yeah. characters. And I think that this would have been served that way and that probably would have been a really fun episode to do but as we know on the sequel machine it has to be a unanimous vote so my vote doesn't matter but um uh, i think i would have probably you know that's a mystery maybe we'll have a patreon exclusive show to get the unanswered votes right now we are paying a lot of money for this sequel machine to just store d2 the mighty ducks i think i think i'm gonna join patreon so i can find out if he really wanted to do it exactly yeah cliffhanger as we say in the business uh develops uh tsl time spent listening all right so that is it for coming numerical to america this has been the sequel machine we will talk to you next time and we were actually pretty decent on this one 